Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 68, and I'm going to cover the group of death, Group F. So two matches today. It was the slightly slimmer version of uh, what we've become accustomed to over the last few days, watching all these European games. Three a day it's been ever since the opener, and then, of course, there's been Copa America in the evenings. And as well, if you're following the women's game, a bunch of the women's national teams are sort of on a tour, just playing a bunch of friendlies pretty exciting as well so plenty to watch lots to view i'm going to break down a little bit of what i saw in group f today but i want to give a little mention to something that happened in south america in brazil in the copa america we got to witness two quite unbelievable goals so let's start there now leo messi free kick this was so fun to watch because you had Stuart holden as the analyst and this is because this is on Fox in the U.S. It's Stuart Holden's the analyst, and he's talking about how this is just an impossible place for the goalkeeper because in that situation you don't know where Messi's going to go. He can go either way, and he's just as deadly either way. And of course, he just curls this beauty into the corner. It's just constantly fading away um, from Ospina and. <clears throat> I got to say, it's just so fun to watch that. And you got this feeling, like, okay, Messi has, is he's, he's coming to announce himself and, and finally just be like, no, 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 I'm actually going to win this tournament. This is, problem is, on the other side, you've got a very swag-looking Brazil, swag-looking Neymar. And the problem for Argentina is that they drew. They ended up dropping the points last night um, or a couple nights ago. Ch- Chile came back, was able to get a goal through Vargas, who his – he has this unbelievable scoring record in Copa America, something like 13 total goals in the competition's history. It's, it's pretty impressive. But I, I have to say, I, even though Chile are a very good team and they can they, they can damage anybody, it's this is the kind of tournament where when Leo Messi steps up, has a moment like that, the rest of the players need to also do it, right? That, that, there's enough talent in that Argentinian team. You need other players to step up, start scoring goals, and and get leads that become insurmountable. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention, I mentioned that a couple of days ago in an episode that, you know, Colombia had done well, they they beaten Ecuador, you know, played excellently, but I didn't mention the goal. Actually, the reason why I, ha- I hadn't seen it, I hadn't looked at the, uh, I hadn't looked at, at the highlights yet, but this was exceptional. You want to see one of the most elaborate and well-executed training ground free kick routines? Take a look at that. I mean, I, I was I was blown away. It's it's a four pass combination. It's starting thirty five yards out. The guy who plays the first ball is the one who ends up scoring it. Cardona, it was just unbelievable goal. So please go take a look at that. I, I think it's um it, it's it's worth the talk. Happens on the same day Patrick Schick does what he does. Okay, well, not as many people pay attention, but that goal was. <laughs> It was really, really good and definitely something worth looking into. If you like free kick plays, especially elaborate ones that come off the training ground, that was really, really good. All right, now moving on. Again, I'm just going to cruise through. It's going to be a short episode today because, you know, not a whole lot to talk about. I think anyone who's been watching the Euros so far is sort of in tune and in step with, with with the developments. As of now... I kind of want to wait to make predictions on what's going to happen with the rest of the games because basically the most interesting thing now is who's going to place 
in the third spots to actually get through to the next round. Any team that is good that won their first game, they're going through, right? Like Belgium are going to go through. Okay, Group F, it might be a different story. But a lot of the bigger teams, England, right, they're going to go through because that first win puts you in such a position where four points is likely to get you to the next round, right? So teams who won first, especially if they're favorites in their group, I think by now that's no longer as interesting of a question. Teams who are coming second, third, that's going to be fascinating from here. So moving into Group F, Portugal beat Hungary and I mean, honestly, I think I think I was I was actually impressed with Portugal. Not not so much that I didn't expect they could be good, but I I thought they played pretty well, and I thought Hungary really gave them a lot of problems to try and figure out. And it's not easy when you have a team at home bunker down. There's sixty seven thousand fans. I mean, those Hungarian fans were pushing, and 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 the team looked pretty good in the first half. I, I liked the way they played. I thought they were doing well. The only trouble is. Moments of brilliance. Who for Portugal is going to just show up and do something nasty? And it was always a possibility. It was always a potential. And every now and again, they can create a few, you know, slick passing moves and and, and get through. So to me, it didn't feel as if Portugal underplayed that well. I actually thought they were pretty good. I thought they were about as good as Spain. And I thought Spain were impressive. In the end, Portugal get a 3-0 win uh, right before they started scoring. All their goals because they came at the very end. Hungary scored. And I just kept thinking, this guy's offside. As soon as he received the ball. Because I saw him making a run. And he had just been subbed on. And it looked as if, you know, the defense started to step a little bit. The Portuguese defender started to step. And so it's just unfortunate. Because he had, there was so much space. And he didn't need to make his run as early as he did. He would have gotten behind anyway. At that point, it's can you replicate, you know, going around the defender and creating the finish. But really unfortunate because then they got flattened. Rafael Guerrero scores a pretty lucky goal from deflection. Floodgates open. Second one, I don't really think it's a penalty, but it's not a horrible decision by the referee. Cristiano Ronaldo steps up, takes it. Something I find fun, every time he does his celebration, all the Portuguese fans say, see, right when he lands from his uh, goal celebration jump. And you could hear that. There was a very audible, like, low, low-toned see from the whole crowd. So, <laughs> And then we got to hear another one. That final goal by Portugal was exceptional. And this is the thing about Ronaldo that you have to... You have to give him credit for it. He spent so much of the game sort of on the left, kind of in the middle, doing not much. And then in that one, he's just standing there like, give me the ball. Give me the ball. No, I'm serious. Give me the ball. And then as soon as he gets it, he just turns on. Light speed, two quick one-twos. Gets beyond the defense. Goes around the goalkeeper. Beautiful goal. So, look, Portugal, they're capable of a lot. They can turn it on. And because they scored three, that's going to help enormously for sorting out the mess that goal difference might be in this group because you know Germany and France are going to want to go and beat Hungary. What's interesting is because France already have a lead, they're not going to need to go and bang in the goals against Hungary. Germany, on the other hand, is going to need to try and do that, which will make the game even more interesting. A quick note on Hungary, their fans. I mean, look, at the end of the game, seeing the whole team – uh, get together, put their hearts over their hand over their hearts, sing the national anthem with their whole crowd right there. 
showing appreciation. I thought that was exceptional. I thought it was great. And this is one of the things that we have to say, you know, chapeau to, to UEFA for doing this this time. I, look, I love when a one country hosts a tournament. I think it's the best way. But this has been cool because Hungary get home games in an international tournament, right? And, you know, how often is Hungary going to host an international tournament? It's 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 not that likely. So this is what I – was just a nice heartwarming thing to see uh, how much everyone just was behind it. And even though they lost, I think – They'll bring something in the next two games. They will. They will push Germany and France to the limit. I mean, I, I really do think so. Because I don't. I don't see France and Germany just walking all over Hungary. I just don't see it. So, moving on to France and Germany. This game was good because it was high class, high quality. It was not great for excitement, but you could just tell that at any moment. Because of the quality on the pitch, a goal could be scored. The goal of the game, the goal that, that happened, I mean, Paul Pogba with a pass that when you're watching this one on TV, you're like, what is that? Oh, Lucas Hernandez. I see. I didn't realize. Because <laughs> I thought it was just a little chip ball that he was trying to find Benzema. And it goes way over him, way to the back into some huge amount of space. And the great thing is you did not see Lucas Hernandez in the picture at all. So that pass is delicious. Very good to smash the ball across. Mats Hummels, you have to be ready for that, and you cannot be facing your own goal. That's it. And here is the reason why that one goes in, and France gave up as many corners as they did. Because Rafael Varane and Presnel Kimpembe, in my opinion, were the two best players on the field. They dealt with every single thing that that the Germans put in the box. They dealt with every cross. Every cutback and all of these, when they were clearing balls, where they were actually having, a, where they were running backwards, they were making sure they turned their bodies and they were putting balls out for corner kicks. <laughs> Hummels, facing his own goal, tries to swing at it, hits a shin, top corner. <clears throat> yes, I do agree that Kylian Mbappe is right behind him. Odds are Kylian is going to, you know, tap that in if you don't do something right. Clearly. But you don't have to do that. You, you you need to try and turn your body in some way or shape or form. As I, I, this is one of the things that's very difficult for center backs. But it is crucial to your game. I played central defense for a little while. And when you're running back towards your own goal and you see a cutback coming, the speed at which you have to turn your body, it, you have to do it. Or else you're gonna you're likely to give up on goals. A player of his stature and caliber, that is something I would expect. And then the second half, there were a lot of wasted chances for France. Uh, I think Kylian Mbappe actually had a bad game. I, I really do. I think uh, he had a lot of needless, lazy-looking turnovers and then was offside twice in crucial moments, one where he scored a beautiful curler and the next one where he set up Benzema. Both of them, he just kind of wandered a yard or two out of position. France scored two goals that were disallowed, both because Mbappe just was a little eager. It just not just not disciplined enough in his positioning. And I, I think... Look, if you're a France fan, which I very much am, it's nice to have seen a game played with such control. I, th- I thought Paul Pogba was the other standout. His passing was exceptional. I think he did really well to dribble out of the midfield. <clears throat> but I was disappointed in Griezmann. I was uh, I was disappointed in Mbappe. I didn't really see what Rabio really offered, aside from being a body that's going to shift and keep the whole machine you know, together, I think Quarantan Tolisso could actually do a better job of that. 
personally. So, but overall, good game from France. Germany are going to need. I think in the next game, they will really be able to go ahead and set their stall out and be like, look, that was the world champions. That was the first one. Now let's go. Let's go. We're, we have we. The pressure is if we lose the next two games, right, and play poorly and go out limp. Like we now have to go. This is a group of death. Just put your foot on the gas and try and get some points, because Hungary are obviously beatable, but Portugal. Portugal are very good, very talented, but Portugal will give you opportunities to score. There's no doubt about that. So the question is, can Germany pull this off? I don't really know. I still think that there's a really good opportunity for them to be one of the third-place teams. I could see them getting a draw and a win in their next two games and then be fine. But, like I said, Hungary are going to pose a problem. And here is the one thing that not many people have talked about regarding Portugal. And this is the one thing that's weird about these Euros being hosted in a bunch of different cities but Portugal are playing all of their games away from home against teams who are playing at home. So they played in Hungary, they will play in Munich, and they will play in Paris. That sucks for Portugal going into a group of death. So I don't know how fair that is. I think that's a weird one by UEFA. I, I think I believe that um, the Dutch as well get to play like every game at home until the semifinal or something like that. I don't know how many England will actually get in Wembley, but that's a little bit, to me, that's a little bit of uh, an unfair advantage to a certain degree. But, hey, look, it's a one-time shot, these Euros, and it's kind of a fun thing that it's everywhere. And I'm glad in in the COVID, you know, this post-COVID time that the football was pretty spread out. So it's not all concentrated in one place. This actually makes a lot of sense. Um, And then I I do want to give a quick shout-out to Benzema because – Sucks that his goal doesn't count because Kylian Mbappe decides to start running too early. But he was very good. And this was the first moment where I said, okay, I'm looking at this front three and they're whatever front three, two, whatever it is they're doing, Kareem Benzema, Kylian Mbappe, that is dangerous and it will produce more goals. So great way for these first rounds of games to start and finish. The best news in the world is Christian Eriksen is alive well. And, you know, like like I've said in the past couple episodes, hopefully one day we get to see him playing again. We don't know. It's such a serious thing. But he's still alive. We've seen some amazing goals in the last few days, some very good games. And now the tension and the pressure is going to start ramping up for certain teams. You're going to see some teams basically fold and, and almost give up. Um, because the vibe's not right, they they know that the form is off, and then they're just there's there's not much to it. You'll start to see that happen. You will also start to see teams really open up the way they play, and I think some of the big guys will start to dominate in, in ways that really send a message to everyone around. All right, well, as as we continue, I will uh, be having a little episode to recap these first round of games with Scoreless Thriller Podcasts. We've done an episode together before, so we'll do it again. And keep watching the football, everybody. Keep up with Copa America. Don't forget, like I said, there's amazing goals being scored down in South America. Why wouldn't there be? This is Campfire Football. Tune in again.